0: Uh, good, good afternoon, evening, whatever time it is, good night. Um, happy to have you with us today. Um, one, just a, another a brief update. I talked about it um, at length last week, and it, it may be on the pat- podcast. I don't know if uh, if you included this the survey talk on the podcast or not. Uh, but we did that survey, and we sent it out, and, and uh, it was electronic, and most of you um, filled it out electronically and sent it back. And then we had hard copies, and a lot of you took the hard copies and filled them in as well, and um, it, I was really astounded at the number of responses we got, one, and two, how diametrically opposed groups of people in one room can be um, about, like, passing the peace. There are groups of people who think passing the peace is the worst thing you could ever do at a church. There, like, some of you are like, please never make me shake another person's hand, and, and it was anonymous, but y'all need to come talk to me because you have issues, All right. And then others are like, you always cut it too short. Like, I want to spend more time. And I'm like, well, get here earlier um, and talk to people. But it is really funny. Um, In the worship stuff, some of you are like, we don't have enough songs. Some of you are like, it goes too long. It is just really funny. But what everybody was clear about, pretty much, the vast majority, is um, we are changing the worship service times at 9-11. We're not changing the times. We're just flipping the styles. So we're going 9 o'clock traditional service. You can see it on the screen right there continue to keep the grow hour at 10, because that has actually been really successful and has grown, Um, and we've had quite a few small groups popping up there. And then 11 o'clock will be contemporary, and then 6 o'clock. Now, there wasn't an issue, there wasn't a place on the 6 o'clock survey to suggest something other than 6 o'clock, but some of you um, thought ahead and emailed, um, or even called, or came in to say, we don't like 6 o'clock, we want 5.30, um, and so what we decided to do is just take a poll. In the car. We're not changing it yet um, until there is enough momentum for that. So I did it last week. I'm going to do it again. If you're a regular kind of attendee here and this is your, you're the 6 o'clock person, you're in evening service, it's great. We're not going to change. We're not getting rid of it. We just want to see if we want to go. Because the, the comment is 6 o'clock was just too late once you got out to go to dinner or whatever and rushing to put the kids home. And, and it felt like if you wanted to go eat beforehand, you had to eat with all the really old people, um, with some of the comments that I received. So if you are a person is 530, how many people for 530 in here? Raise your hands by show of hands, 530 folks. Okay. Thank you. Um, put them down. How many are six o'clock people? I want to keep it at six. Okay. Yeah. Y'all are still losing. I'm sorry. You're going to have to muster some support. I mean, you have to rally around you, you know, get some people in here, do a caucus. I don't know something. Um, so there you go we haven't made a decision yet uh we're we're moving forward and we want to do uh the services to the the best way we can because it is the number one way we share the message of jesus christ and the message is too important um to to do it poorly um and so that is why we were really pouring a, a lot of energy and effort into this whole uh whole thing now on to more important things uh life money and hope uh, this is the second uh, Sunday in this new series, and what we started doing last year and what we're going to, be to begin to do every every year around this time of year is do a series around money, or a series around giving, a series around generosity, a, a series around what does it look like to manage money better, and that's kind of where we are this year, is, is how can you navigate financial things in such a way that it honors God? And we talked about, we set it off last week, and and trying to get our mind right around all of this stuff. We came from the book of Haggai, chapter 1. And if you remember, he says, now, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. R- really think about, really, really investigate, pray, plan about all the things that you have been doing. Because you've planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're never warm. You earn wages only to put them into a purse with holes. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. We need to be really intentional about thinking about these things, about thinking about financial matters, financial issues. Billy Graham says, um, this is my version of what he said, if you get your attitude and mind right about finances, everything else will be better because of it. If you get your attitude and mind correctly correctly, gathered around finances in your financial life, everything else will fall into line. And Dave Ramsey group puts out a lot of, and many of you have probably heard of him, he's done fairly well for himself in this regard. Um, he talks about the fact that um, the, the number one thing that, that drives a wedge in relationships is financial issues. It's a huge deal for us to get our mind right Around finances and financial matters and financial issues. It is a huge thing. Um, I just had, I don't know, Grace um, is in eighth grade and they had the talent, this is last year's talent show at the junior school. And I don't know if any of you in the room were at the junior, were you, do you remember her? Uh, were you there for the talent show? No, none of y'all were there. You didn't see her. Right. Um, so the talent show last year, <clears throat> she's in the special needs class. And they did, a, they did a song, they did a big dance to it, and it was like this hip hop song called Get Your Money Right. You better get your money right, get your money right, and all these, and they just loved it. And we, we've heard that song a thousand times in my house because of it. But the message is clear get your money right. That's what Haggai is talking about. But, but the message today is it, it, it's a whole lot bigger than just financial issues because what I wanna to talk to, to you about tonight is, is, is related to financial issues, yes. But this, these principles apply to every area of our life. These principles, you, you expand them out, and it, and it touches into every relationship you, that you have, and, and your marriage, and, and, and your career, and all these different things. And it comes from um, the book of Luke, chapter 15. And Jesus is telling a story here, and it's one of the more um, famous stories that he tells, especially for Christians. We've all heard this, and I've preached on it, I don't know how many times in 20 years, but it's the prodigal son, the story of, of the boy who goes off and then, and then comes back. And it, it, he starts with this. So there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, I wish you were dead. Now, if you're following along or you remember the story, you're like, I don't remember him saying that. He says, Father, give me my inheritance, right? And in essence, what he's saying is I wish you were dead. Because I don't get my inheritance until you're dead, and I kind of want it, so I kind of wish you... We're dead because I'm more important than my relationship with you. And the father says, sure. So he divided his property between his two sons. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered the wealth, his wealth, in wild living. He, he took everything that he had, moved to a foreign land, and wasted everything. And then a severe famine hit the land. See, he he made all these decisions and all these choices going down this path, and this path that was driven for himself. And as always happens, when we make all of these different decisions and choices in a vacuum focused only on ourselves, there will be a day of reckoning. There will be a famine, and we will find ourselves in need. The severe famine hits the land. And it says the young boy found himself hungry and in need. So he went and hired himself to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Can you imagine the the worst place to end up as a young Jewish boy? Like I don't know if y'all know this about Jews and pigs, they don't go well together, right? I mean, there's a few things that the Jews are pretty clear about about their kosher diets and stuff, and pigs are right up there number one. Like you stay away from pork and all that stuff. And the worst place you could find yourself is in a pig trough, slopping the pigs. Not allowed to eat any of it. He longed for it. He, he, He 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 finds himself because of his choices and decisions at a really horrible time and a really horrible problem, and he seeks a solution from the world. And the world grabs him and puts him in a field with pigs and leaves him there. So what happened in, in this boy's world is something that happens in a lot of us in financial ways in, in relationships, and relationships, and it's this little spiral that we take down, these four kind of steps that we take on this downward descent And and the first thing that went wrong with this young man is he believed a lie. He believed a lie. Let me tell you, the the number one weapon, in fact, really the only weapon that the devil has to use against us is lies. It's to tell us lies. It's, It's to tell us something that's just off center, just off because it makes it feel a little bit better and maybe a little bit true. But then we follow it and it leaves us further and further away. It's, it's this idea that the, the lie, the really the, the only lie that, it, the, the, that is there is that you matter more than everyone else, that your way is more important than everyone else, and we become self-absorbed on that. In the Western world, we're pretty good at this. We're pretty good at focusing on ourselves. We're pretty good at looking to us and, and talking about me, 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 and I want mine, and that's essentially what the boy said to his dad, I want mine now, right? Right? There was a survey a few years ago that was done and it was entitled, entitled The Day America Told the Truth. And um, the the survey people, they they asked a whole bunch of people, what would you do for $10 million? What would you do for $10 million? 25% of the people said that they would abandon their entire family for $10 million. Like, I'm out, I'm gone, right? 23% said that they would be a prostitute for a week or more. For 10 million dollars. 16% would give up their American citizenship. 10% would withhold testimony letting a murderer go free. Now's the time where you need to start looking at the person on your left and your right, right? Figuring out where they are. 7% would kill a stranger. Now really start looking at the people on your left and right. Seven percent, yeah, I don't know them, $10 million, you bet I'll take them out. Three percent would put their kids up for adoption. I know, some of you are like, 10 million? Wow, I would have done it for a whole lot less, right? I mean, like, you can have them right now. Um, just give me a 20, and we'll call it even, right? But, but, but what this is, is this really, fo- this really looks at the self-absorbedness of who we are. Like, what am I willing to do for me? All about me. Not taking in concern anyone else. And and this is that lie. This is that lie that the young man believed and fell for. You are more important than anyone else. You are more important than your father's life. You are more important than your brother's life. You are more important than the plan that I have for you. You, you, you. We believe this lie and we look and we say, man, I am the greatest. And we become prideful. But as... As the scripture says, pride comes before the fall, right? Pride comes before destruction. It is in this sense that we just build ourselves up. And when we get to this place where we're so prideful that we can't listen to anyone else because we feel like we know everything better than they do, we then take the second step and we engage in self-destructive behavior. We, We engage in acts and we say things that are, that are not really a part of who we are, but we start going down this path, and so we start making bad choice after bad choice. We, we, we lose sight of what we used to do to build up our life. We, we don't pray anymore. We, we don't read Scripture. We, we don't come to church. We live this undisciplined life, and we stray further and further away from the path that God has for us, engaging more and more in these self-destructive behaviors. And then when we go along this path, more and more we start saying things. Like, I just can't help myself. It's that's, that's who I am. We make excuses. Or we say, yeah, but I deserve this. Or what harm could it do? I love the message translation of Proverbs 14. It says, there's a way that looks harmless enough, but look again. It leads straight to hell. How often do these things that look so great and so right take us down paths that are dark and hurtful? We engage in these self destructive behaviors and we make all these excuses, but then we take the next step and we isolate ourselves. We isolate ourselves from God and we isolate ourselves from other people. We pull in, and maybe it's guilt that's driving that, but a lot of times it's pride that's driving it too well they just don't understand me they don't I don't need anything from them they couldn't help me even if they wanted to and we begin to give everybody the Heisman essentially and pull further and further away and we separate ourselves out from those people who poured into us those people who cared for us we tell our dad I want you dead just give me my money and we walk away and then, and then we find ourselves in a dark place. Then we find ourselves at the bottom. It says this in Psalm 88, you have made my friends to loathe me and they have gone away. I am in a trap with no way out. When we finally hit bottom, we look around and we've pushed everyone away. And we've engaged in so many destructive behaviors and actions and said so many hurtful things. And and pride has been our leading engine and motivator. That when the dust settles, we find ourselves in a field full of pigs. Begging to have just a small bite of what they are eating. We're in a trap with no way out. See... this is a financial lesson for sure, that there are things that, that you can do that will be hurtful to your future, and you make decisions that then turn into another one, and you hide it, and you get prideful, and you say, no one can help me through this, and you cast away anybody who can make those decisions, and and you do more and more. And this time of year, man, the spending just goes nuts. I was watching uh, in between services, I, w- I went home and I was watching football, and um, and there was... A couple of commercials talking about Black Friday. Like Black Friday sales are going on right now. And I'm like, what happened to the one day? You know, I mean, it's already come in right now and get the lower than Black Friday prices. Everybody's pushing it. Is it I'll tell, Jen and I went on a, a little outing yesterday, Jen and Grace and I, um, and we went to Costco. Yeah, there you go. Any, any other Costco fans in the house? Woo, I love Costco. Does anybody ever walk in Costco and go, I need toilet paper and paper towels, and all you leave with is toilet paper and paper towels? No, you don't, because it's amazing, right? We go into Costco yesterday, and we were going for paper products. We're going for toilet paper and paper towels, and Kleenex, a really snotty family. And, and we come in, we're going in there, but, but the one out there on 35, it must have been designed by, um, by a man because you walk in and what's the first thing you see? Giant televisions, huge TVs with sports playing on it. And I immediately am like, ah, you know? And cause that's why we went in there. It was for a giant TV to watch, you know, Baylor beat TCU. Okay, they got one shot in there. I see some barkers back there. Can't believe you hadn't sick them. Um, And and Jenna looks at me, she goes, no. (laughs) I was like, okay. So we walk on, and we go through, and we always have to stop at the iPhones and iPads because Grace likes to get on there and flip through the pictures and laugh, and we spend a little bit of time there, and, and then we move on. And, and so I don't know if you've been to Costco recently, but they have their Christmas stuff set up, all of their Christmas stuff set up, like everything. There's, there's trees, they have all the toy section, they have all this stuff, and, and, and so we're walking around, and Jenna is starting to go nuts. Jenna is getting, she's like, oh. Oh, that would be great for this. Ooh, look at that over there. Ooh, I want to go down this aisle over there. I was like, man, we haven't even made it close to the toilet paper. Can we keep moving? And I'm getting like, the samples are out. I'm hungry. Let's go get a sample. You know, and, and she is like pulling stuff in. And, and at one point I said, hey, 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 who are you? She's like, what are you talking about? I was like, your eyes are really big right now. And you're like seeing all of this stuff that you think we need. And that's my job. Like, you're the one who's supposed to calm me down. I don't like the situation that we're in right now. And she's like, wow, you're kind of right. Like, I guess we don't need new towels for our bathroom. No, it's not why we're here. Or those pillows. Can we put those back too? Like, we have plenty of pillows. Or that giant bear, right? Because everybody needs a giant bear. And it was just this weird scenario where you can walk in and make some choices that Because the Traeger grill guys were there too. And I stopped and talked to him for like 15 minutes, so much so that Jenna had to call me on my phone and goes, are you still talking to the grill guy? I was like, yes. (laughs) But you could save a whole lot of money buying it today, honey. And you can make these decisions that come January, we're like, what happened? We have this tendency sometimes to, financially do that but then but then think about it take it to relationships like, like you look around and, and, and you're like man you know my husband isn't isn't as fit as he used to be and he doesn't have as much hair as he used to and I mean he does but it's just in different places that I don't really like and and, and maybe you know that guy over there or or, or maybe you're you're your business and, and just you start making these decisions and you start going down this path and And you feel like you're in a trap because you've made so many one decision after another that was just bad and horrible and worse, and and you feel like there's no way out. I I, I don't know if you've ever felt that before. Like the song, Reckless Love, that you're trapped behind this wall, and you can't imagine that somebody would come after you. You can't imagine that there is a way out. See, this sermon isn't just about financial decisions. It's about every decision in our life. It's about about the way we live and lead our lives. It's about who we follow. It's about putting aside the pride and and taking on humility. But the great news is, is if you ever feel like you're in that trap or if you feel like you're in that trap right now and, and you feel like there's no way out, this is the time that God is is closest to you. He says in Psalm 34, the Lord is near to those who are discouraged. He sees those who've lost all hope. And I I love the way that Paul says it to the Corinthians. It's like, look, all you need to remember, all you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. If you've ever thought, I've gone too far, or it's too late, you're wrong. There is no too far and there is no too late. You have not walked down a path away from God so far that he can't find you. You have not gone through motion after motion, buried yourself under whatever it was that God says, well, they made their choices. He will not let you down. If we we follow the story of this prodigal son, we we see the rest of it and how God operates, right? Because this, this kid had found himself in a pig, in a field full of pigs, the worst place that he could be. And then he comes to his senses. Jesus says, when he came to his senses, when he realized what was happening, when he looked around and saw that the pigs were eating better than him, and he remembered that his father had a wonderful estate, He says this, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. Man, this is my favorite part. I've preached on this prodigal son stuff I don't know how many times in 20 years but I've never I've never seen it this way but while he was still a long way off his father saw him now I've talked about his father runs out to greet him and he he runs out and he grabs him and he kisses him and he hugs on him but but what I love about this is in order for him to see him coming he had to have been watching In order for the father to see the son coming down from a long way off, he had to have been sitting on his front porch going, Is today going to be the day? I don't know where my son's gone or what he's done with what I gave him, but is today the day he's going to come back? Is today going to be the day? I I, I love this picture and I love this image because it's what God does for us. God's just sitting there. He's like, Oh man, is today. Is today going to be the day that, that she realizes that there's no way out except to come home? Is today going to be the day that he, he sees that the trap he's in, he can be sprung from if he just comes home? Is today going to be that day? And so the father runs out and he grabs his son and he hugs him. And his son goes into his plan and he says, "Father." Forgive me, for I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I am not worthy to be called your son. And then the dad says, whoa, 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 bring out the fatted calf. He stops him. He doesn't get to finish his whole story and his whole statement just hire me as one of your hands because that was his plan. But, but the father had a better plan in store. The, the father had something better in store for the son. And he puts this beautiful cloak on him and they have this party. He's like, Oh man, my son who was lost is home. Yeah, he made some really bad decisions and choices, but he's home. See, see, what happened is the son took this downward spiral and found himself in a field full of pigs. But then he made his way back. And how did he do it? Well, the first thing is he acknowledged the reality of where he was. He came to his senses and And looked around and said, I did it. It was my choices. It was the things that I did. It was my wild way of living. It was the things that I said. It was was all the actions that I took. Nobody put me in this field except me. I was the one. See, a lot of times when we're in a dark place, we want to point out and lash out and we want to be a victim and blame somebody else. But it was our choices that put us there. And God doesn't want to step on you and condemn you. God, God just wants to hear it from you. Remember David, uh, King David? He, he's, a, he's a great man, but he had a couple of issues, right? Like major ones. Like adultery and murder. Kind of at the same time. Had one more and he would have the trifecta of worst sinner ever. But, but he has this big moment where he... He does this horrendous thing. And then in in, in Psalm 51, he says this. He goes, I've been out of step with you for a long time. On the wrong side since before I was born. What you're after is the truth from the inside out. See, what God wanted to hear was the truth about David's situation. Now, it wasn't because God was unaware of what went down, because God knew God didn't need David to inform him about everything that David had done. What God wanted David to do was to own it. I was the one who made these choices. I was the one who chose to send that guy out to the front, and I knew he would die and so that I could take his wife. I was the one who did these things. I know the truth about what I have done. I will own my failures and my choices. And God's like, okay, now we can work. The son comes to his senses and says, what have I done? I've squandered away everything that my father has given me. All I got to do is go back and just be a hired hand, and I'll be better off. David comes out with the truth. And then here's an interesting thing. I don't know if you know this, but the Psalms are not put down in Scripture according to chronological order, Uh, meaning like Psalm 1 wasn't the first Psalm written, and Psalm 100 and isn't the last one written. I can't remember how many psalms are. It's 100 and something, and and, uh, and so they're mixed and matched for various reasons and various and various purposes depending on theme and time and whatever. But so Psalm 51 comes obviously after Psalm 32 in the book, but Psalm 32 was actually written. Most scholars would say after Psalm 51. In Psalm 51, is David acknowledging his failure and saying, Have mercy on me, Lord. In Psalm 32 says this When I kept it all inside, my bones turned to powder. My, my words became day long groans. Because then, then I let it all out. I said, I'll make a clean breast of my failures to God. Suddenly, the pressure was gone. My guilt dissolved, my sin disappeared. In that moment when he claimed his failures and made a, a, a confession to God, God goes, okay, now we can move on. And it wasn't God that was crushing David. It was David crushing himself. You ever held on to that dark place and it just ate you up? But as soon as you let it go, you felt that breath again? So he needed to acknowledge the reality of where he was. And then he needed to develop a plan, a plan of attack. The the boy says, look, this is my plan. I I get where I am. I know I have a problem. And so I know I can go back to dad's house and be one of his hired workers and I'll be fine. This is my plan. He he took steps to do it. Jenna and I, um, we're not the best at finances. and, And so we've been working with a financial planner over the many months to, to figure out because we want to be here and we're over here and how do we get over here and what are the things that we need to do and what are the, the moves that we need to make and, and he's, he looks at us, he's like, Those, that's a great goal. That's a really lofty goal but let's take some baby steps to get there. Let's take some small incremental steps because if you try to take off too much at one time, you're not going to make it. If you try to, it's like me and working out and exercising. I don't know if y'all are, you all look very fit. Um, And I don't know what you're thinking, but Michael, you don't need to work out and exercise. You're perfect the way you are. I appreciate that. Um, But every time I try to get into some sort of diet routine or exercise routine, if I jump in whole hog and I'm like, all right, tomorrow there will be no fried food for the rest of the week. That's gonna last till lunch, right? I mean, that's I mean, because fried food is good. It's proof that God loves us. And, and it's just like it's not gonna happen. And so I'm like, oh, I'm gonna work out every day this week for an hour and a half. Like, everybody stand up if you believe that one, right? That's never going to happen for me. It's like maybe like, hey dude, why don't you step away from the fried food after about three servings this time? Then maybe we'll make it two servings, right? It's those little steps that move us towards the bigger goal. But you have to have a plan of attack. You have to have a plan. And then you have to have a group to keep you accountable. See, this is why small groups are so important. Small groups are so important to the life of a disciple because, one, they help you from making those poor decisions in the first place. If you're in a small group that knows you so well and loves you so much and knows everything about you, when you start becoming prideful, they're the ones who are like, hey, 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 stop it. You're not that important. Stop it. You're making bad decisions. You're making bad choices. When you start heading towards that trap, they're the ones who love you out of it. But then if it was too late and you already found yourself in that place, they're the ones who will keep you on track to get out of it. They're the ones who will go down in that pit and say, hey, man, I can't pull you out. you got to do it, but I'm going to be here with you. I'm going to love you through this time. I'm going to love you through these moments. I know that your relationship is really broken with your wife right now, but we're going to be here together as a group because that's what we do. You don't think there's a way out, but there is. And we'll take these steps one by one. You have to have that plan of attack, and we need to have a small group around us. But then you got to do something about it now. The guy didn't wait any longer. He just jumped in and said, this is the time. And he got up and he went to his dad's house. And then the final thing that he did, and maybe the most important step, because what it does is it takes us from the very beginning of where we got off the rails at first and brings us full circle back. He humbled himself before his father. He humbled himself. He said, I did it. Father, forgive me. I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. If humility had led at the very beginning, instead of pride, he wouldn't have found himself in that dark pit, that field of pigs. And so at the end, he comes back to the Father. He says, I can't do this without you. I can't do this without your help. I can't make a step out of this dark place, out of this trap. I, I don't know the way out but I know that you are the way out. See, that's what this this story for me is all about. It's about those times in our lives where we have found ourselves lost or broken or hurt, where we have walked down this path of our own volition, one choice after another. And we feel like we've gone too far or that it's too late. I feel like there's no way out. God says, no, 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 no. I'm sitting here on the front porch, just hoping that today would be the day that I see you coming back. Because there is no shadow that his light won't fill. There's no mountain that God's love can't climb. There is no wall that he will not kick down or lie that he will not tear down to come after us. And so tonight, I don't know where you are in your walk. I don't know where you are and if you feel like you're in a trap tonight tonight's the night for you to be the one walking on that path and to hear the father jump from his chair and run and wrap his arms around you and say, oh, I'm so glad my daughter, I'm so glad my son is home. Yeah, but dad, I did all these things. I, I don't care about that. We'll get you out of that. Learn from it. But you came home. So there's nothing that we can't conquer together. This is a message of hope. This is a message of extreme hope. And that's what the gospel is all about. The ushers are coming forward right now. I'm gonna ask you all to um, just join me in prayer. Father, I, I, I thank you and praise you so much for, for your son, our savior, who gave his life so that we could have ours. Thank you so much, Father, that even in, a, even in any moment that we feel lost or we feel trapped, we feel, we feel like there's no way out, that you say, no, 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 I am the way out. I am the life, I am the truth. Let me bring you to our Father's house. So God, if there's anyone here tonight who needs, who needs to hear your voice, who needs to, to know that that reckless love is for them, shout it in their ears, God. Let them know that they have not gone too far down that road, that it is not too late. For them to come home. Let tonight be the night that they have the courage to say, yes, I do want to come home. Father, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.